listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, the following is a journey into comics. Journey into comics. It's a journey into comics. It's a journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Then what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best of all, Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for ya! Two words! Pick us up, man! The champ is here! Do I have everybody's attention now? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's season three. Episode 18, I am your host, Nate. Hope you guys are doing fantastic on this Wrestling Wednesday. As you're recovering from WrestleMania weekend, I'm sure your bones are sore. and uh, My bones are extra sore because I've been in a fight twice now. Uh, once on the actual WrestleMania and just watching that long seven-hour card. We're going to talk about it. and But then Saturday night, uh, Walk Among Us actually participated in WrestleMania which was a fun, crazy event featuring the Indianapolis Screwjob where Walk Among Us does not walk away champions, although we were undisputedly the winners of that contest. Uh, it was great fun to do that whole entire thing because I got to play a heel. I got to talk mad shit on people and use my creative side to look at people, reflect, and turn it into a thing that a heel would say. And... I had to create a vast amount of promos and think on my feet with things that other people were saying and kind of evolve my character. And it was really cool because then we got to the event. It was, I had so much heat on me in the building. People, every fucking band was talking about Nate Phillips. And it was like, yes, I've done my job as a heel. I'm over as a heel. Like, these people hate me, and I love it. It's so good. It was so much fun. It really was a blast. I really do wish we would have walked away with the title, but again, let those bands have that little. Let that band have that little trinket. We'll move on to bigger and brighter things. We have other things planned. We did some crazy things over the weekend. We got a holy shit chant during our show. We got a this is awesome chant during our show, and then when we closed the show with the last song we did of the night, we got a. Uh, a dub AU chant. So uh, I was really, really, really fucking jacked on the whole show and the whole night and everything. And uh, now that I've reminisced just a little bit about the, the you know, behind the scenes of my band and stuff that was pertinent to wrestling, of course. Let's get into some actually actual wrestling. So Friday night kicked it off with, uh, you know, the NXT TakeOver New York. And we had a hell of a card. Uh, the show opened up with the War Raiders, which was Hanson and Rowe, taking on Alistar Black and Ricochet in a brutal back-and-forth brawl between these two teams. It was amazing to watch this match, but you know what? The, the match itself didn't really... Like, here's the thing. I look at wrestling now more as like, the moments that are most memorable for me, the things that made me just like, oh, God, I loved it. It was spectacular. And there was a moment that was very just um, heartwarming because the NXT New York crowd knew that uh, Alistar Black and Ricochet are officially going full-time to the main roster. They're no longer going to be uh, the NXT part-timer call-ups that are kind of doing dual duty. So the thing is, is that the crowd just, you know, was doing the thank yous and the, you know, you deserve it and, and all kinds of nice chants and, you know, um, just giving them high praise and it got emotional for those guys. They really felt that moment and the gravity of it all. And, you know, Ricochet, you look, he's been in the company for such a short time. 
I mean, just a little over a year, I think, and he has just moved all the way, or maybe it's two years. God, time is fucking non-real to me sometimes. It's really fucking strange. Anyways, the War Raiders uh, end up defeating Alistar Black and Ricochet to re- to retain the NXT tag titles. So again, uh, Alistar and Ricochet officially getting called up. They're not going to be holding on to the tag titles. That doesn't make sense. Hanson and Rowe, again, uh, very big dudes, very fucking athletic. They put on a hell of a fucking performance. Uh, definitely, but I don't know if, if, if the next two matches on the card vie back and forth in my head for match of the night easily. I'm going to have to go back and just really rewatch these two only and really decide, okay, which of these two was the absolute match of this card. Cause there was another match too that could have got it as well, but we'll get there. So first up was the Velveteen Dream taking on Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, bro, uh, being undefeated in NXT. Velveteen Dream being the NXT North American champion, holding that title up high. Also defending that title in this match. Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle put on a clinic, a barn burner of a match. Some people saying right out the gate. And I was even one of them that initially was like, oh, that could be match of the year contender. It definitely is up there. Velveteen Dream. Again, at NXT during WrestleMania weekend, stealing the show and proving to everybody that he is maybe the most magical wrestler on the NXT roster. No bones about it. He ends up defeating Matt Riddle, giving him his first defeat. Uh, Velveteen Dream retaining the NXT North American Championship in a, as I said, just a phenomenal epic of a match. Uh, Up next, we had Pete Dunne, your United Kingdom champion, Defending his title against the challenger and the giant motherfucker that he is, Walter. Um, defending that United Kingdom Championship, Pete Dunne and Walter went to war. This was one of the most brutal. I mean, they don't call Pete Dunne the bruiser weight for no reason, folks. He was vicious in this card. These strikes were severe. The hits were hard and heavy. They were not holding anything back on each other throughout the entire card or through the you know throughout the entire match they went like 25 minutes they were the second longest match on the card um brutal just non-stop violence i guess is the best way to say it but uh trading blows and whatnot ultimately walter comes away with the with the win and and becomes you know the man that dethroned your 700-and-some-odd-day Pete Dunne being the longest-reigning United Kingdom champion, you know. Uh, so Walter is now your UK champ. Up next, we had Shayna Baszler up against Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane in the Fatal 4-Way match for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, I tell you, I expected this match to be good. It was great. Uh, again, another match on the card that just it delivered on all levels. It was very action-packed. Four ladies in a ring can get hectic. Uh, you know, four competitors in general in the ring, whether they're male, male or female. Four people in the ring mixing it up. There's a lot that you can do. A lot of storytelling. It's a lot of two on two, and you're almost like telling two separate stories with your wrestling, and then every now and again intermingling that battle. Ultimately, though, you know, I kind of expected someone else to win this match, and it was not. The people that I expected. I'm going to take a quick a drink break here. Brought to you by tomorrow's podcast free. Check them out every Thursday right here on the Journey into Comics Network or podcastfreepod.podbean.com. Enjoy this drink break. Thank you, Podcastrophy. I'm drinking delicious fucking hot tea. It's just like warming my soul. Oh, it feels so good going down. Anyways, ultimately Shayna Baszler wins this match, and by you know by submission tapping out. I think she tapped out. Was it Bianca? Bianca didn't respond, and and her hand went down, so she was tapped out. And then up next, the final match of the night was a two out of three falls match for the vacant NXT Championship, featuring Adam Cole, baby, and Johnny Rebel Heart Gargano. Uh, man, this was, again, amazing match of the year contender, possibly. Eh? Definitely a barn burner match. They work so well together. I do want to say again, 
This was not the result I was expecting or necessarily wanted. I mean, obviously you want Johnny Gargano to go over, but I kind of thought Adam Cole getting his name in the hat here was like, oh, maybe now is the time to just go ahead and push him. But him not getting pushed here means inevitably, maybe as soon as when we'll talk about it, it's coming up next next week, uh, maybe as soon, as soon as the superstar shakeup, you know, the Undisputed Era could be debuting on one of the main rosters. So uh, this overall, let me tell you, NXT TakeOver was amazing as far as wrestling is concerned. And they, uh, you know, it was kind of like the least offensive of the things that happened over the weekend because it's like everything else that happened had some crazy, unexpected, weird, outlandish shit. And, uh, you know, NXT was just a great card in general, and it did, it hit, it hit all the notes for me. This is a solid A for me as far as uh, entertainment and wrestling is concerned. They put all their belts were on the line as all the matches. They were the only matches that mattered. It was a shorter card. It had way more fucking impact in the shorter card than say 50% of WrestleMania, which I loved. And we're going to talk about that soon as well, but condensing it down, the importance of NXT takeover and the ramifications on the other side of this are huge. And I can't wait to see what's happening on the other side of uh, this coming Wednesday, today, tonight. As you're listening to this, tonight is NXT, the other side. It'll obviously be the thing that kind of like wraps up and tells you the things that happened on pay-per-view that you didn't get to see, as well as like some undercard people like Keith Lee and some other people will probably have matches, or like the Street Profits or Jackson Ryder or Candice LeRae or some of these people like that might have some, some singles matches that'll be televised on Wednesday that were from the weekend. Uh, some, that's usually how they do it. So NXT TakeOver, solid A. I really, really, really loved it. Now, uh, Saturday we had two things that happened. NXT, or I fucked that up, definitely. But the WWE Hall of Fame, as well as the G1 Supercard, takes place. Uh, I think we should touch on the bigger story first. The secondary story was still big, but in the in the over the overall thing was really good. But uh, Saturday was the WWE's Hall of Fame induction. You know they inducted Honky Tonk Man and Tori Wilson, and they inducted Harlem Heat, and they inducted fucking uh, Degeneration X. Obviously, how did I fuck that one up? Uh, I feel like there was a couple more that they inducted as well, but I'm not. I'm doing really bad right now, and I don't have the list in front of me. But uh, oh, oh, the Heart Foundation, duh, duh, Heart Foundation. That was the one I was forgetting. That was big. So, uh, um, speaking of that, the Heart Foundation is getting inducted, and Natalia gives a speech in honor of Jim the Anvil, which was really beautiful, really nice, thought out speech, and things that were worth saying, you know, and it was definitely great reflecting from her being such a fan of her dad. And that was really cool. But then it was Brett's turn to talk and Brett was talking and he was giving his speech and everything was cool. And then out of fucking nowhere, some Rastafarian looking motherfucker, not really just a dude with a Rastafarian like Jamaican me crazy hat, tackled Bret Hart to the ground. What the fuck? So here is the breakdown of everything that happened. Uh, officially, the person that did this has been charged with assault, and then the WWE officially uh, released a statement. The attacker was charged with two counts of assault in the third degree and disorderly conduct. And the WWE released official statement saying, an over-exuberant fan surpassed our security at ringside and made his way briefly into the ring. The individual has been turned over to the proper authorities. Uh, now, we've got some more stuff on this because... Uh, this guy had like some troubling tweets. He was threatening Vince McMahon and trying to say like, "You better fly me out there" and all this shit. Like it was really crazy. But he 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 tweeted this. He said, "Please keep in mind that my check engine light is on. I've driven well over the five thousand miles without an oil change, and I don't have a GPS. Additionally, the only bigger joke than my car is my sense of direction. It might be easier to book me a flight, Vince McMahon. You have twenty four to thirty hours, Zach Madsen." Okay, 
And then another one says, The Crown Prince of Ryan will be headed to New Jersey on Friday with or without his two best friends, Batman and Harvey, unless the transportation is booked prior to then. Again, thank you so much, Vince McMahon. You are my hero. Weird. It was just like weird. these really weird, bizarre tweets and stuff. You know, and uh, he he actually told the police after his arrest that he said he felt like it was just the right moment to attack Brett. It was just the right moment. That's fucked up. Fuck that guy. I don't like this guy. But Brett actually has some stuff to say. And this is the best. I think this is the great takeaway from the whole thing. What a wild weekend, to say the least. First of all, I want to thank WWE for not only the Hall of Fame honor for myself and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, but for their hospitality with my family and friends. Regarding the ceremony, firstly, I want to let everyone know that I am okay and was not injured. There's not one... There's one thing I want to let everyone I want everyone to take away from the Hall of Fame ceremony is not so much what happened, but how I wasn't going to let anything stop me from completing my tribute to my best friend and our team. I'm also glad I got to join Natalia and Beth for their WrestleMania moment. Thank you everyone for your kind thoughts and words. Bret Hart. <clears throat> you know, and they posted a fucking mugshot of this fucking incel douchebag. And, man, fuck this guy, dude. Like, seriously, fuck this guy. I hope he gets fucking raped in the face. And I mean that. Like, fuck this guy. He attacked Bret Hart for no reason. Fuck this dude. I hope he gets fucking raped by a horse in the mouth. That's how much I feel against this dude that attacked Bret Hart. Like, fuck him. Seriously. Anyways, I'll get off that. So, you know, another thing that was really interesting, you know, with the overall the Hall of Fame, which was really great. Take another little quick drink break brought to you by Podcastrophy. Uh, another thing that was really great about the Hall of Fame was just that it was different this year. It was in a ring. You know, speeches were a little bit more contained. And then the DX speech happened, and it was like everything was off the rails. It was fucking hysterical. They were talking about the rules and the saying how you can't thank or mention Vince McMahon, which is true. That He says specifically when you're out there never to mention him in your speech because it'll anger him because he doesn't want to take credit for something that he really, you know, it's not your career that you made. It's Or it's not his career that he made for you. You made your own career, and that's what got you to the Hall of Fame, you know? And I understand that, but they were like, we're not supposed to thank Vince McMahon. We wouldn't thank Vince McMahon. You can't say Vince, 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 you know, and all this shit was really great. But they were talking about all the stuff you can't do, and Billy Gunn piped up, well, what's he going to do to me? He can't fire me because Billy Gunn is a senior executive producer for uh, AEW. And Triple H, without missing a beat, was like, listen, Billy, Get something right. Get something. What did he say? How did he say it exactly? He said, "Billy, let's be honest. Vince will buy that piss ant company just to fire you again." So they started laughing. There was an AEW joke. At some point, Michaels thanked Gunn for being there and being all in. Another AEW reference. So it was. It was just really. I mean, they were. They were really loose, and it was nice. And they talked about China and her importance and. There was a She Deserves It chant, and a lot of tears were maybe shed in that moment, and some serious stuff and some not-so-serious stuff from those guys. It was really beautiful. You know, the whole thing, and, and Booker and Stevie talking and about their journey was great, and Tori talking about her journey was great, Honky talking about his journey. I mean, everybody talking was... All the different people along the way that they had on were amazing. It was it was awesome. So, like, the thing happens at at the at the Hall of Fame, right? But then there was also craziness that breaks out at G1 Supercard. We're going to get to that in just a minute because we're going to get through the G1 Supercard and we'll talk about it in order of things that happen. So the G1 Supercard, as I started watching, it kicked off with Jeff Cobb, the ROH champ, taking on Will Ospreay, the never open weight champ, in a winner-takes-all match for both titles. So whoever wins gets both. Ultimately... And a brutal, again, that's one of the words of this weekend. It was just brutal. There were a lot of different, like, crazy hard bumps in this match and wild spots that you wouldn't expect. Lots of big over-the-top, top-rope-type moves and stuff going on. Jeff Cobb defeating Will Ospreay for the Never Openweight title and now being the Never Openweight and also ROH World Television champ. Uh, Rush taking on Dalton Castle. Ultimately, Rush defeats Dalton Castle. I didn't really have much stake in that match. It was really quick. I think it was like 15 or 20 seconds. 
Um, but it, it, Dalton Castle's never been a guy that like he, he's flashy. I get it; it's funny, but he's never been a guy that I've really been entertained by. So I wasn't really turned on by that. Then there was a ladies' match: Kelly Klein taking on uh, Mayu Iwatani, and that was for the Women of Honor World Championship. And Kelly Klein dethrones Mayu Itawa, uh, Iwatani. I can't fucking say that name uh, for the Women of Honor World Championship. Great match, uh, strong performance by both ladies, well-deserved by Kelly Klein to finally get over as the champ. Uh, up next, we had Bully Ray and Silas Young and Shane Taylor out there talking and about a New York street fight, about how Juice Robinson wasn't going to come out, and Juice came out, as did Mark Haskins and Flip Gordon, uh, to take on Bully Ray, Shane Taylor, and Silas Young in the New York street fight. Ultimately, Flip Gordon in lifeblood winning. Flip Gordon took a couple brutal shots. He gave all three dudes, uh, Shane Taylor, Silas Young, and Bully Ray, uh, kendo sticks, and they all took turns giving him their hardest pop. And, man, there were some gnarly, fucking ugly, terrible welts left on young Flip Gordon's back. It was sickening. Up next, there was a triple threat match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, arguably one of the matches of the night. Dragon Lee taking on the champ Taiji Ishimori and Bandito. Ultimately, Dragon Lee getting the three count in this match in a hell of a battle between the three guys. They were just all over the fucking ring doing all kinds of crazy spots. Up next, we had the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tonga Loa the IWGP champs against Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King, uh, Los Ingramanales de Yapons, Evil and Sonata, and the Briscoe Bros, Jay and Mark Briscoe, and a winner-takes-all four-way tag match for both the IW Tag Team and ROH Tag Titles. Gorillas of Destiny walking away with the titles. This was a brutal fight a war, lots of throws, lots of heavy punches, lots of big spots, lots of crazy moves. PCO took some crazy spots. Oh, man. I mean, the whole match was just fucking chaos. Literally, that's the best way to describe it. It was fucking chaos, okay? So the match ends. Gorilla's Destiny win. And then all of a sudden, there's chaos ringside. The camera cuts for a second. You don't know what's going on. I was, I'm watching the replay, so I already know what's coming at this point. I'm like, aware because while I'm at WrestleMania, uh, our buddy Alex Buckles uh, is filling me in on stuff that's happening in wrestling and he tells me, he's like, dude, Enzo and fucking Cass jumped the barricade at G1 and started fighting dudes and it was a shoot. It's not a work. It's like they fucking just essentially invaded and it's not going to be, it's not good. You know, they didn't show it on TV. Like it's this, it's a big deal. It sucks. But the other side of this is that the Briscoes, Jay, well, specifically Jay Briscoe, and um, at some point comes out Bully Ray, were not taking to this quote unquote in, invasion and beat the living shit out of Enzo and Cass, who were invading. What I, we later find out is that it is, in fact, a work that the writers. Uh, didn't want it, but then like the backstage heads wanted it or something. There's some combination of the two. Uh, but no one told Jay Briscoe that it was a work, so he literally beat the shit out of Enzo. Like was throwing some pretty heavy blows to him. They set the wrestling world on fire. I mean, it was a very talked about moment. It blew the fuck up. I mean, it was they were like number one trending over the Bret Hart thing at that point, you know. So that is pretty crazy, and it, it's a talked about moment. So you look at it and you just go, man, like maybe they got something there. Up next, we had Zack Saber Jr. taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, Takamishinoku doing the intro for ZSJ. And talking about how ju- you're going to just tap out. And man, did he. T- he uh, Tanahashi taps to Zack Sabre Jr. who retains his British heavyweight championship. Great match. Kota Ibushi up against Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental title. Kota Ibushi citing uh, some of the greats that have held the title before him. 
uh, and saying that he wanted to be like them and bring back honor to that belt, uh, taking on Tetsuya Naito in a hell of a battle back and forth, war. These two always go to war with each other, some of the hardest bump spots and just ugly moments in general uh, come from this match, but it was one hell of a battle. Ultimately won by Kota Ibushi, who is now your new IWGP Intercontinental Champion. It was fucking great watching this match. If you have not seen, again, Supercard, G1 Supercard was phenomenal. They never disappoint, but this was just an extra special fucking card. It was so, so much fun to watch. Up next, we had our co-main event, which was for the ROH World Championship my boy, Marty Skrull, up against Matt Taven and the ROH champ, Jay Lethal, defending in the three-way ladder match for that title. It was a vicious war. There were so many disgustingly brutal bumps. Uh, the bump that Jay Lethal took, uh, Taven did a running powerbomb through a ladder that was uh, held up by two chairs. And it was just like, holy shit, you just killed fucking Jay Lethal. He's dead. And Jay Lethal took a mad bump off the top rope through a ladder. And Marty took some mad bumps. There was a bump where Jay was upside down in a tree of woe with his head through the ladder. And Marty started smashing the ladder with the fucking chair. And I was like, oh, that's got to be ringing his bell at least. Oh, man, that sucks. Uh, Ultimately, I think the crowd wanted Marty to win. If they could have picked, Marty was the winner. But that's not what they went with. They went with Matt Taven, who is now your new ROH World Champ. Um, badass match. It was definitely very, 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 very well done. And um, shout out to all three dudes. Matt Taven had that big purple fucking ladder. There were so many great spots overall in this match. It was really fun to watch these three work each other. Up next, you had Gaz. Uh, Kazuchika Okada, I can, I can never get Kazuchika Okada out in one line. Defeating Jay White, I just spoiled the whole match with Gato. Uh, it was a war of attrition between these two, back and forth. There were some. There was one moment where like Jay White was trying to throw punches that weren't connecting, and he was just like gassed out, and it was awesome. It just told they, they told such a very great story, and it was cool to see Okada retain or get his heavyweight title back and kind of get back to the spotlight after losing it for a while to uh, Kenny Omega. This is kind of their way of saying, here you go, Kata, you stayed with us and didn't go to WWE. Here, you're the top guy now. Man, this tea is fucking delicious. I love drinking tea, you guys. So that was G1 Supercard again. It was one of the best cards of the night, man. I mean... Or not best cards tonight, but this was just another great card for the weekend. There was so much great professional wrestling happening over the course of this past weekend. I really, really, really hope that you, as a wrestling fan, caught at least some of it. And 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 I and I mean more than just what WWE had to offer because while the WWE is a fantastic product, they have a lot to offer people. I think G One Supercard had them as far as best overall showing for the weekend. I'm giving it to G1 Supercard as the winner. So we learned that the Enzo Amore thing is a work, which is pretty good. It's clever. All right. We're going to take a quick drink break here. About halfway through the show, folks. Oh, man. Okay, guys. Well, you've stuck around this long. Now we're in for the big one. This is going to be kind of our take home because... While we've got some more stuff to talk about on the other side of this whole entire major, massive, seven-and-a-half-hour extravaganza pay-per-view card known as WrestleMania 35, there was so much going on. There's still stuff that, there's fallout from this, and there's other stuff we're going to talk about too today as well, but we're going to blow through this relatively quick. I will say that every moment of this card had me jacked up. And this was maybe the best WrestleMania in the past 20 years. 15 years at least. Okay? So I'm just going to speed round this. It's going to say who and what. And if there's something big, we'll discuss it. So Tony Nese taking on Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy was defending his Cruiserweight Championship. Tony Nese is the new 
cruiserweight champ. That's cool to have him be anointed finally. Carmella in the 17 women WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal for a trophy. Carmella's the winner. I didn't watch it. I missed this. The first match I got to officially see was Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder take on the revival for the WWE Tag Team Championships. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder winning and defeating the revival. Kurt Hawkins breaking his 268-day streak or whatever it was. Uh, It was pretty cool. It was clever how they did it. They actually had Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder win again on Raw in similar fashion, which I like that to kind of solidify they are champs to stay for a minute. Then we had the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal featuring Colin Jost and Michael Che of Weekend Update. The whole thing was awesome. I mean, there were a lot of different fun spots and whatnot. It's a battle royal, so you don't have a lot to play with, really. Um, Ultimately, Braun Strowman wins, though, and eliminated Jost and Michael Che. And that was the preliminary, right? And you're like, okay, that's the prelim show. We're done. And then we get the main card. And as soon as the main card starts, out comes Paul Heyman. What? Paul Heyman comes out and says, listen, folks, my client's not sticking around to the end of the night. If we're not going on last, we sure as hell aren't waiting till the end. We're going to go on first. So Seth Rollins taking on Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship is the kickoff match to WrestleMania 35. A brutal beating starting the match by Brock Lesnar, uh, essentially just illegally attacking Seth Rollins before the bell had rung and putting the bricks to him. Uh, Made Seth Rollins come back an ultimate three, two or three, two or three of the curb stomps to win and defeat Lesnar to bring home the Universal Championship in yet another Three in a row now, we've had title changes. Up next, we had AJ Styles taking on Randy Orton. And uh, this was just a great match because these two are, you know, legends of the game. That these, these guys could have been having this match for the WWE title eight years ago or something. But they're not. They're here now doing this thing. So, all in all, I loved it. I loved Randy and AJ working. It was very, very, very good. Up next, you had the Usos in their uh, punishment match for laying down to let Kofi continue on in the or Kofi or the New Day to continue on in the um, gauntlet match to get Kofi a championship match at WrestleMania. Uh, this was their punishment: was to defend the WWE SmackDown tag titles against Alistair Black and Ricochet, Rus- Rusev and Shinsuke, and The Bar. Ultimately, the Usos come out on top. This was a, again, when these four teams are involved, it's going to be great. There was lots of stuff going on. I can't really specifically elaborate on any one moment that was really crazy because I think they all kind of, kind of hit me with a case of the odds. This is what watching, like, as much wrestling as I crammed into my skull in the past couple days has done. It's just turned me into mush. Ugh. Anyways, up next we had a violent Falls Count Anywhere match between Shane McMahon and The Miz. They took this thing all over the arena. They fought all over the place. Shane took a disgusting, I mean, brutal bump. He, like, went over this guardrail, and his plan was to definitely land on the roof of this golf cart. But he bounced. And he bounced from the top of the golf cart directly onto cement on his back. And I was just like... Oh, he's fucking dead. Like, oh, Shane killed himself. He didn't. He was still alive. It was very good. Uh, This match ends with a crazy spot off the scaffolding. uh, Scaffolding spot onto a pre-planned area where they're going to do the big, you know, crazy finish. But ultimately, Miz does not win this match, which was a crazy and brilliant turn. He actually ends up under Shane by the time the cameras get on him. And Shane gets the one, two, three, and wins. Uh, up next, we had the Boston Hug Connection defending their women's tag team titles up against Nia Jackson, Tamina, and Beth Phoenix and Natalia, as well as the Iconics. And this was a great match. There was lots of stuff going on. There was definitely a point at the end of the match. It looked like Beth Phoenix and Natalia might actually have this thing in the bag. 
but the Iconics stealing out from under them and become your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, which was an amazing moment. This moment, that moment actually made me cry. Like, I had, like, goosebumps. I was like, wow, they were anointed that way. It was like a shock finish. It was unexpected. It was really well done and well thought out. Like, I was just, like, overjoyed for them. It was great. And I've been saying for a while that I think the Iconics deserve those titles, so good on them to finally get it. Up next, right after that, so that's another title that's changed hands. So far, all the titles changing hands except for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Up next, we had Daniel Bryan taking on Kofi Kingston for your WWE Championship in a back-and-forth battle with so many moments that you thought it was over and you thought they were or were not going to anoint any certain specific person. Ultimately, Kofi Kingston comes away with the victory here to be anointed your new WWE champion. Uh, some people in the crowd a little bit upset, saying, would have been much cooler if we wouldn't have seen him march this belt down to the aisle and stay out to the ring and stage it so they could unveil it and bring it, give it to him after he won, you know. Uh, but all in all, this was a great match. It was cool to see Kofi finally anointed. Again, a match that moved me. I was like, damn, this they got me. They got me. WrestleMania this year has got me. It's really, 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 really powerful. Up next, we had the United States champ Samoa Joe taking on Rey Mysterio. Ultimately, this was not really much of a match because Rey got hurt on Monday against Baron Corbin, so they made it a squash. And Samoa Joe retains the U.S. title, one of two to retain their title at WrestleMania this year. Up next, we had Roman Reigns taking on Drew McIntyre in a singles match that was not super long, not super short, about 10 minutes. Uh, Good work. Roman ultimately over here. All is good in the world. You expected that. He just came back from fucking leukemia. They don't let him win. They're fucking the real criminals. Up next, and this will spawn a story out, we had Triple H taking on Batista in the no-holds-barred match. If Batista beats Triple H, Triple H must be forced to retire from in-ring competition. Ultimately, Triple H wins with help from Ric Flair. Ric Flair giving him the sledgehammer. Sledgehammer leading to Triple H penning Batista. Batista officially announcing he's retiring for good. From um, from sports entertainment, he says to all the WWE fans across the world that gave me the opportunity to spend your disbelief, thank you. From the biggest part of my heart, thank you for letting me entertain you. Tonight was my storybook ending, and I wanted to leave you with all I had to give. I'll miss this theater of violence more than I can express in the world with words. But I am officially retiring from sports entertainment. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. I leave in great health, and without a doubt, the show will go on. I had a hell of a run. Thank you for the journey. Dream Chaser, WrestleMania 35. Peace. Batista, officially done. Of course, you kind of figured that. He is going on to do things. Guardians 3 is back on track with James Gunn. You know, all the things. You wanted to have him have one last go with Triple H. When's the right time? Now is probably the last time those two are going to be able to work each other like that. So... It was it was good. It was good to see them put a bow on that one finally. Let's get back to it. Up next, you had Baron Corbin taking on Kurt Angle in his final match. Baron Corbin won. This was probably the only thing of the whole entire night I fucking hated. I was like, ugh, you guys suck. Somebody said, well, but you knew it would happen that way because, you know, Angle's leaving. I was like, no, but he's a legend, dude. You're not going to fucking... You always had to put him. It's not his retirement match. It's just his his he's done from in ring. Typically, Flair wrestled into his fucking seventies and angles in much better shape. That's all I'm saying. After that, we had a little vignette with uh, the man known as Elias. This was a dope. Oh, you know this this actually happened. It was Batista and then the Elias thing and then the angle thing. So, Batista, no, it was, I can't, my brain doesn't work. 
Somewhere in there, though, Elias came out to do a performance and was interrupted by Word Life. It's basic thugonomics. Basic thugonomics. Word Life. Basic untouchable, but I'm forcing you to feel me. Yeah, so John Cena, the old John Cena, the thug, the doctor of thugonomics returned in an amazing moment, and it was fucking awesome. He was so over, and the crowd was into him, and it was great, man. I loved it. It made me feel like 2005 all over again. Then we had Finn Balor taking on Bobby Lashley with Leo Rush in a singles match for the Intercontinental Championship, Finn Balor coming out as the Demon King himself. And let me tell you what, folks, the Demon delivered as Finn Balor defeats Bobby Lashley for the Intercontinental title. And then we had the last match of the night, ladies and gentlemen, as the ladies headlining WrestleMania for the first time in history, Charlotte Flair, your SmackDown champ, Ronda Rousey, your Raw champ, Becky Lynch, the challenger, winner takes all triple threat match for the WWE Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship, respectfully, respectively, this was a fight, man. Crowd was gassed. I can tell that the crowd that was there at MetLife was tired. They were ready to go home. They had watched so much wrestling, they could probably have had two hours of this cut out. There's at least, I don't know, I see one, two, three, I see five matches that didn't need, didn't need to be on the card, Good that they were, but didn't necessarily need to be on the card. And I'm not talking uh, prelim either, because the prelim is like, whatever. You don't need a two-hour prelim, but you also have to get 80,000 people into a stadium. So you have to take time to make sure that by the time the first official match starts, everyone has had an opportunity to get into the arena. So ultimately, we have Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte in an amazing match. Uh, Charlotte came out, well, she actually got flown in via helicopter, kind of like her dad back at the Great American Bash one year, uh, I think that was 85 or 86, he flew in, uh, on the helicopter and had the red carpet roll down, it was, it was a cool callback, uh, train of our existence showing up during the show to Stone Cold Stun Us right here in the middle of the podcast, but, uh, Ultimately, Ronda went to hit her finisher, the Piper pit move she has or whatever, and Becky rolled her up into a pin and beat her. There's some controversy here, though, because Ronda's shoulder wasn't down. One of her shoulders was up, and also this was allegedly not the planned finish. Uh, What's his name? Fucking Meltzer. Stating that, in all actuality... It was supposed to be Charlotte tapping to the disarmor from Becky so Becky could win the title and Ronda can remain undefeated. That's not what happened. Ronda took a pin from Becky. Charlotte was not involved in any way, shape, or form. So what made them change? What made that decision? I have no idea. Uh, ultimately, I think that... You know, you want them, you want the women to have the main event, and it's super cool, but you also want the fucking crowd to be into the match, and you took the crowd out of the match with how you just spent way too, I thought this event was going to be over way before it was, you know, it went till 1130 at night, that's crazy, so I don't, you know, I don't know, man, this is, uh, this was a good card, for sure, this is the best WrestleMania in like 15 years at least. You know, no doubt. No doubt. One of the best. Since maybe 20 or 21, really. Realistically. And those were like some of the last good ones in my opinion. Uh, maybe 24 as well. But uh, this one's up there, man. It's really, it was really, really good. Lots of title changes. Only two people m- retaining their belts in... Uh, Samoa Joe and the Usos retained their belt. Every other title was changed hands on this occasion. Um, but it was well worth it. So, yeah, man. WrestleMania 35 in the bag. But some fans are frustrated because, listen, again, 80,000 people trying to leave. But people were stuck there because the transit certain transit things only went so long. So there were buses that were getting people, but buses are few and far between. So there are people that sat out in the rain for three hours waiting. 
So the decision to extend the event resulted in our inability to operate some of the trains due to federal requirements limiting train crew hours. We regret any inconvenience fans may experience with the mass transportation after the event, they said. At the end of the day, folks are frustrated. They ought to be. It's completely, utterly dog-ate my homework. Unacceptable. That's not the only thing fans are upset at from WrestleMania, though, because fans are also pretty pissed off at the fact that there were lights shining into the crowd so bad that you couldn't see the ring. It's like how you do that. How are you going to blind your fucking audience so they can't see the thing they came to watch? That's ridiculous. I'm so glad that I've never gone to a WrestleMania because I think I would be overwhelmed and it would just be a letdown experience. Like, it would be great to be in the building for the moments, but, like, there's other factors. Like, I'm I'm just thinking about people who've been posting about being out there and I'm just like, oh, that would suck. Oh, that would be awful. Oh, fuck that. Nope, wouldn't want to deal with that. Oh, I'd much rather be at home on the couch enjoying in my pajamas and watching it on television like I've done for the past fucking, let's see, in two years it'll be 20 straight WrestleManias I've watched. So, you know, it's just like, man, fuck it, I don't need to go. I mean, if I got an opportunity to go and had like a VIP experience and some shit like that and got like the behind-the-scenes treatment and shit like that, like maybe it would be different, but I think the general fan experience might be a little shysty. It looks like it was kind of horseshit, you know? And unless you had friends or you drove yourself out there or some shit, you know, it was going to be a long, treacherous journey to get home. And I would be a fan of that. Like, oh, I've been at this event. I watched seven and a half hours of professional wrestling with loud-ass sounds and this, like, being in an event environment for that long, you know, and having to cheer and boo and all this stuff. Like, that's going to take it out of a person. And then I'm done and I'm ready to go get in my pajamas and sleep. Nope, can't do that. You have to stand in the rain for three hours, you fuck. That'd make me hate WrestleMania and never want to do it again. So I'm, I'm, it sucks to, for the people that had to deal with that, but I'm grateful that I was not one of those people. So we had some stuff spawn out. Batista retired from wrestling. Uh, we had no Undertaker at WrestleMania, but he showed up on Monday Night Raw. What? Elias saying the next person that interrupted him would be a dead man was not wrong, as the Undertaker himself showed up. The main event for Raw was Kofi taking on Seth for the winner being unified the championships. They didn't end up doing that. They went with a, a DQ angle and all that stuff. Teasing the superstar shakeup, Lars Sullivan appeared to beat the hell out of Kurt Angle on Raw. <clears throat> Lots of little different things happened on Raw. It was pretty good. Uh, SmackDown tonight, which was last night, for those of you who are listening tonight, me as I'm recording it, Again, it was just okay. Had some interesting moments. Also want to mention Lacey Evans is putting her name in the hat up against Becky Lynch. Very interesting to note. Two nights in a row she got into it with Becky, punching her on Raw and attacking her on SmackDown. Uh, the Hardy Boys defeat the Usos to win the tag titles, so the tag titles did not change hands at WrestleMania, but they changed hands essentially the night after. So uh, that's pretty cool. Congrats to the Hardy Boys, who are now eight-time tag team champs in the WWE. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's it's really honestly pretty cool. Those dudes deserve it. They've been going hard in the paint for a long time. All right, folks, we've only got a couple more things. We want to talk about a signing. This is a big one, man. Jim Ross, good old JR, has officially signed with All Elite Wrestling as uh, effective immediately. Ross will take on the role of senior advisor in what's the most lucrative deal in pro wrestling commentary history. Um, of course interesting to note ross let some stuff slip he says i'm moving on in a very positive way to make this timely opportunity to be on the ground floor of one of the most exciting movements in the history of pro wrestling i've known uh cody rhodes the young bucks Ken tony cody rhodes the young bucks kenny omega for a long time and they're going to change the world of pro wrestling their roster is already packed with top level talent and up-and-comers They've got a huge show coming up in May. They've brought in game-changing partner like Culture City, and they've got an all-inclusive welcoming culture like I've never seen before. I'm ready to change the world with them. Um, JR also going on to say, I've been a part of the wrestling community since I was seven years old, and there's no greater thrill than welcoming... Oh, 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 this is Tony Khan saying that. I'm sorry. Tony Khan saying, I've been a part of the wrestling community since I was seven years old, and there's no greater thrill than welcoming the voice that I grew up with, Jim Ross, to our AEW family. We all share a common goal in making this true golden age and to make this the greatest time to be a professional wrestling fan. 
And as a business, we also seek to make this new golden age for the performer and for our staff members. Our entire team is thrilled to have Jim on board, and we can't wait to shake things up together. Um, and I tell you, interesting, because JR was talking about something and let slip that they've got a TV deal. AEW has a TV deal that comes out in October. Major network, we're all going to be able to get it. Primetime spot, it's coming. AEW is legit, man. Some shit's on the some shit is on the horizon. Let me say that's all I can say. But up next for for uh, for all elite wrestling is their first official event, which is Double or Nothing. We're gonna run down the match card real quick. Not really give any predictions because it's still a little bit early. I also want to mention, guys, next episode is the final episode of season three. So you've only got next week to go, and we're gonna have some special stuff to. Trust me, I'm going to be covering Double or Nothing. You're just not going to get it here. You're going to get it in a different sense. Keep your eyes peeled, folks. You'll be hearing about it on the uh, Facebook page. So let's talk about this Double or Nothing card here. We've got the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson taking on the Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Tag team match for the AAA World Tag Championships. We've got Sonny Kiss, Kip Saban. Kip Sabian, my bad. Brandon Cutler, Ace Romero, and TBD in the over-the-top, over-the-budget Battle Royal. Cody versus TBA in a TBA. Dr. Britt Breaker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Rain in a three-way match. Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho in a singles match. Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, two. Uh, SoCal Uncensored, which is Christopher Daniel, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky versus SEMA, TBA, and TBA in a six-man tag match. And Hangman Adam Page versus Pac which could be for your AEW championship. We will see if that's the route they end up going. So, folks, this is a hell of a card that's action-packed. Lots of wrestling stuff coming up. We've had lots of wrestling to digest through this week. We saw the end of Dean Ambrose's WWE career, allegedly. I think it's work, so be ready to see him back. As early as the shakeup next week, we've got the Superstar Shake-Up. It's going to be really the topic of conversation for the final episode of this season of Journey into Wrestling is the Superstar Shake-Up, where we're going to go from here, what it looks like on our way to Double or Nothing, what's next for AEW, and everything else wrestling-related, Impact Wrestling and, and ROH and all that as well. So I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. As always, you guys can check out Journey into Wrestling at journeyintocomics.com on the Journey into Comics Network by searching on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. You get all the shows on our feed. Poor 360, Journey into Comics, Foodies Watching Movies, Journey into Wrestling, Podcastrophy, The Voice of Survival, Kids for Sale, Crucial Tunes, Gallif Radio, Brews with Dudes, Dungeons with Dudes, Adulting Ain't Easy. I think I got them all. I think I got them all. Hell yeah. And some new ones coming up soon, hopefully too also as well. So we want to thank you guys so much for checking out Season 3, Episode 18 of Journey into Wrestling. I have been your host, Nate, and we will see you guys later. It's true. It's damn true. <laughs>